great to have you join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up later this hour, you know how battery life and our electronics is the bane of our existence? Well, I've got great news for you about significant improvements in battery life showing up in our portable electronics. I want to talk right now about the price war that is spreading in retail. Some retailers that have been doing really well for a long time have hiccuped recently. Places you think of is going to for deals. Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree that have been big winners in retail now are having a little bit tougher of a time because of a big price war going on with Costco, Walmart, and Target. Target started the ball rolling about a year ago with significant price cuts. And Walmart, just according to industry analysts, just in a three-month period, cut their overall pricing 4%. That's a big move with a discounter to cut prices that much. And Costco has been cutting prices all over the place just recently. In fact, the guy who's their CFO said in an investor call, price is at the top of our list. When prices are going down, we want to be the first to go down, end of quote. And so we are the winners in all this. And I know so much of what you hear is Amazon this, Amazon that, Amazon the other. The reality is retail is not Amazon. Amazon may be the big dog of online sales, but overall retail, they are still a small piece, an influential piece, but a small piece. So the real price action today is with where it's been with Walmart and its Sam's Club stores, Costco, and Target, and with them competing on price so intensely, you are going to get the deals. But there are significant variations on individual items. There is no one store that is the cheapest, far from it. And I'm doing a lot more online comparison shopping of physical stores. I have a tendency to use Frugal, F-R-O-O-G-L-E, which is a minor Google product. And with it, you put in an item, and as specific as you can be, the better, and it'll show you the prices one place to another to another. And recently, it was something we were looking for for our patio, and who knew Home Depot that wasn't even on my radar as somebody I was thinking of getting it from was the cheapest on the item. So you just don't know, and using these pricing tools in the midst of a price war is of great advantage to you. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hi. Hi, Clark. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. You want to talk about car rentals. I do. I do. So I, I, we do a guys weekend uh, every year in northern Wisconsin. And I have a friend that is flying into Minneapolis and renting a car, and he's not very Internet savvy, so I said I would do the booking for him. 
So I typically go to one of the discount websites where you find out the car rental place after the fact. And when I was doing my search, um, because he's getting in in the morning and leaving at night on his return, there is an extra day involved. So typically uh, when you see a car rental, you pick it up and return it at the same time. Now, the rate that they gave me was 249 for the extra six hours on the back end. But if I, in doing some additional searching, if I picked it up and returned it at the same time, the price dropped to $158. So I was just curious, why is there a big jump for that extra six hours, I guess, of uh, time? Because I also did a one-day search just for picking up and dropping off the same day, and it was rather cheap. So I don't know if you have any insight on why that Right. So, so the the, uh, the likeliest explanation, we'll talk this through, do you bleed past noon on Monday on the return of that vehicle? No, I will be picking it up on a Wednesday and returning it uh, Wednesday at 9 a.m. and returning it on Sunday at 5 p.m. Sunday at 5. All right. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's a five-day rental, which Mm -hmm. normally is calculated as a seven-day rental, as a weekly rental rate. When you go past four days to five, usually the computer systems will recalc that into a weekly. So when you're looking at the car rental breakdown, this is Hotwire you were looking at? Yes. So when you look at that, are they still quoting you a daily rate, or or does it convert it to a weekly? It was still a daily rate. So right, so that may, be, that may be where you're getting clobbered. If I could make a suggestion, go mm-hmm. use um, the site, either Expedia or Rental Cars, and see how they build rates for the Wednesday 9 a.m., Sunday 5 p.m. return. Okay. And see if it doesn't recalculate those as weekly rental rates that would hopefully be cheaper than that hot wire rate. Okay. Often with, um, with daily calculation, you end up overpaying once you hit that fifth day. Because fifth Got is it. five is considered to be the same as five, six, seven. Got it. Okay. So I, as far as it jumping... From one fifty eight to two forty nine, a jump of is that ninety one dollars for those additional Correct. hours. Correct. That's crazy because normally when you go over hours, once the over hours equals or exceeds the daily rate, it just converts to an additional day. That's what I. That's what my understanding was too. So it could be a it could be a, a mistake in the computer calculation on Hotwire's part. Okay. But that's why I would go try multi-company search engines like Expedia and rentalcars.com. Okay. I will definitely give that a try. All right. And then have a great time. Where are you going in Wisconsin? Uh, we are going to Manitowish Waters, Wisconsin. It's about uh, four and a half hours north of Milwaukee. Wow. Well, beautiful up there. Well, have a great time. And you need really thick sleeping bags, right? Because it gets cold at night. It's going to be cold, but we'll, we always have a great time. All right. Well, I hope it is wonderful. Thomas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Thomas. Hi there, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You are buying your first home. That is correct. My wife and I are uh, 
hopefully going to be proud new homeowners first time. Well, great. How can I be of service? Well, we are, I guess our question is more around uh, the lenders and the mortgage rates right now. My wife and I have kind of been playing the field. We've looked at two rather large lenders and then two local lenders. But what I'm really interested in is I've noticed that the local lenders, I guess there's different types of local lenders. One of them happened to be a small bank that seems to sell my loan off once I've finished with them. So, Well, by the way, that that is common that loans will be sold after they're, um, let's say, retailed to you. Mm-hmm. Most lenders will sell off your loan at least to a servicer, and they'll show a sell-off rate. They disclose that to you. Was it show 99% or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and that is, that's how the business operates. Even the biggest lenders, even if they hold servicing, they sell off the loan almost 100% of the time also. Gotcha. So that's not different in most cases, except credit unions are more likely to hold loans in-house, what's known as hold-in-portfolio, than banks, which is why credit unions can offer a much wider variety of mortgage loan products than you'll normally find at a bank. Very interesting. So I wanted to ask you a question, though. Any of the people you're getting quotes from, are they mortgage bankers or brokers, or are you going to directly to lenders themselves? I'm going to a mix. One of them seems to be like a middleman, where they're not actually loaning me the money. They seem to be almost a, uh, I I guess the best way to explain it would be like a literal middleman, where... Yeah, that's that's uh, what's referred to interchangeably as a mortgage banker or a mortgage broker. Okay. Even okay. though they mean different things in the industry, people call them both of those. And it's really a good idea for you to talk with that person. Okay. Because they've got a variety of lenders they can approach and loan products based on your and your wife's individual situation and each of your credit scores. So Perfect. that's a good that's step. A, Are you a member good. of a credit union yet? Uh, no, sir, I'm not. All right, I would suggest that you and your wife go out and join maybe two different credit unions okay, and get quotes from the credit unions because where credit unions 10 years ago were pretty much irrelevant in mortgage lending, they have become perhaps the most important source of good mortgage loans in the country. Okay. And they usually service the loan as well? Yes, credit unions... Not always, but often will not only make the loan, but they will service it. And as I mentioned earlier, often keep that loan completely in-house. Okay. And all loan applications you and your wife do in a concentrated period of time count as only a single inquiry on your credit. So you don't want to, over, uh, let's say, six, eight weeks, just casually shop with different lenders and have one after another check your credit because that will harm your credit. But when you're ready to get to the point where you know pretty much what home or homes you're targeting, you're ready to get the loan thing going, that's when you get loan quotes that are real ones from all the different sources you're trying. Got it. Okay. And there's a difference between a an official quote and just an estimate they would provide me? That's well, loan rates only count when they offer you the lock-in. Got it. Based on your 
in your wife's situation and they have started the preliminary process of underwriting your loan, not full underwriting, and they lock okay. you in a rate, that's the real stuff. Okay. All right. Well, are you buying new or used? Advice. I'm buying a, a used house. So you already know the house. Yes. We have the house picked out. We've started doing our due diligence period. In fact, I'm on my way right now to meet an inspector. Well, then you're doing everything right. And have you checked your wife's and your credit? Yes, sir, I have. Unfortunately, I have the lower score. Well, isn't that usually true? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> your wife's always right, right? Well, good luck with the home process, and I hope the mortgage thing works out really well for both of you. Dean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dean. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. You want to talk about having a dedicated computer for your financial stuff? Yes, that is correct. Are you doing that? Are you thinking about it? Or where are you on this? Well, I've just started considering it based upon what I've heard on your show in the past. Uh, I was thinking about getting an inexpensive Chromebook just to do my financials. Now, when I say financials, I do everything from online banking to stock trading all the way down to ordering a pizza with my credit card. And I wanted to know sort of what the cutoff was or what the hierarchy was for using my desktop versus the Chromebook. Definitely don't use the Chromebook to order pizza because it'll give you indigestion because... <laughs> That's not the kind of transaction you want to cordon off. That kind okay. of thing should be done on your regular computer or your phone. The okay. kind of things you want to do are accessing brokerage, bank, bill pay. Okay. Even, even um, signing into your credit card company, mm -hmm. you don't do that on the special financial computer. You do that on your regular computer. Because what you're trying to protect against is the risk not of somebody charging something against a card you have. What you're interested in is trying to prevent somebody from getting into your money. I see. So it's more about identity than the actual credit card digits themselves. Exactly. So okay. you don't need to worry about, and you want no transactions of any kind other than bill pay on that segregated computer. Okay, so just bill pay and stock trading, that sort of thing. Right, exactly. And going to your bank account. You know, if okay. you're signing into your online banking, you mm -hmm. would want to do it on the special computer. Okay. And okay. the great news is this is so cheap to do now, and Chromebooks routinely come in at like 99 to $129. Mm -hmm. I've seen them, yes. So... It is the cheapest insurance an individual or a small business can have against people who would do identity theft. Never, ever, ever do any web surfing ever on that computer, Dean, and never go to email on there or social media. When you have a question for me on the Clark Howard Show, you go to clark.com slash ask. Clark Carroll says, where's the best place to buy a mattress and which mattress is the best all-around value? There is no one place that is absolutely the place you should buy a mattress, but that's a business that has broken into a very affordable category and an incredibly expensive category with people spending many, many thousands of dollars. In Consumer Reports survey data, 
the best place in America to buy a mattress is the regional chain that's growing over more and more of the country called Original Mattress Factory that makes all their own beds. They have showrooms, sometimes showrooms attached to their actual factory where they make them. They make a variety of styles at generally very affordable prices. But number two as a place to buy a mattress is Costco Wholesale. has very limited selection but has outstanding prices on their mattresses. And so that's a short list, but those two are at the top of the heap. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, devoted to you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I got something very exciting. If you're somebody who's on the go a lot, there's new battery technology that is allowing cell phones to last a whole lot longer. A lot of people aren't into this yet in terms of having the long battery life, but the leader in this has been Motorola. Motorola is introducing two cell phones in the United States that are pretty inexpensive, both in the range of around $200, and both have extra long battery life. The Moto E5 Plus, E Echo 5 Plus, has battery life for a moderate user of three and a half days. By moderate user, I mean somebody who's using a moderate amount of data. A very heavy user of data will go two full days without breaking a sweat. And then not quite the length of battery life Motorola has the G6 Play. Now, their names are so uninventive. The E5 Plus, the G6 Play. G6 Play is a phone that is done with some of the decisions they've made in the screen display and things like that are specifically designed to get longer battery life, plus a bigger battery than probably you're used to in a phone, but it's not heavy. The phone is not heavy, and at 200 bucks, you're getting a phone that will get a very active user, a day and a half of use of a phone, and a moderate user about two and a half days. Phones are a little bit different. The Moto E5 Plus has a six-inch screen, The Moto G6 Play has a 5.7-inch screen. So both pretty good-sized screens. And this is the direction the industry is heading. I think it's uh, almost certain that in one of the versions that Apple will introduce later this year, one of them will be a phone with a bigger battery and will not be as sleek, maybe, as Apple has tried to make their phones in recent years at great hazard to battery life. Now, the other thing that we go portable with that is getting better and better battery life are laptops. Intel has introduced a new chip, you know, the central brain of a laptop that is designed to cut power use by an enormous amount. And the company claims that you'll get 28 hours of battery life from a single charge on a laptop with the new chip. 
So it's a version of the Intel i7 family. And I'm hoping that computers with this extra power chip, well, uh, battery life chip, not power, extra long battery life, will be available for this year's Christmas shopping season. It's not going to make back-to-school season, but I am hoping that these ultra, ultra-long battery life laptops will be available before this year is out. James joins us. Hello, James. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Hey, Clark. James, you are a pharmacist. Yes, sir. Are you? Do we also add the word overworked before pharmacist? Because I know <laughs> a lot of pharmacists are really, um, they're burning out from extra, extra long shifts and hours. I'd say that's a pretty fair description. Well, we got to fix that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's a big, uh, a big ask. Okay. Well, how can I be of service to you? You had mentioned um, a little while back about how switching to generic medications can save patients a lot of money. Uh, wanted to say I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. It's something that is, as long as it's been around, it seems like folks still sometimes aren't aware of it. I did want to add to that. There are a couple ways that pharmacists can, can actually help out past the generic switch. Um, sometimes they can actually switch you to a totally different medication by working with the doctor based on what the insurance company covers better or what's cheaper. So sometimes you can treat a condition with multiple medications. And uh, a pharmacist is uh, trained and capable and licensed to actually talk to you about those things. So just when you go pick up your meds at the pharmacy, if you say, hey, these are really expensive, I'm having a hard time affording them, or do I really need to pay this much? They can actually look at that and work with you and your insurance company and your doctor to get you on something cheaper. And that's what's referred to, I think, as therapeutic substitution? Uh, Yes, sir. Many states refer to it that way. So uh, just as a practical matter, what I said with overworked and pharmacists being together, do pharmacists, with the pressure that you're under to do so many prescriptions per hour and per shift, can pharmacists realistically take the time to do that and not get in trouble with their employers? It depends on, uh, it depends on where they work. So that was something that I was going to add in is usually pharmacists at wholesale clubs or pharmacists at uh, box-within-a-box type stores, so um, retail chains that have a pharmacist inside or a pharmacy inside the main store, a lot of times they're not subjected to the same pressures as folks working at a strict pharmacy chain. I know that because I've worked, uh, I worked for both. All right, so uh, what you're saying is fascinating. You're saying that if somebody goes to one of the giant pharmacy chains where the, the pharmacists are on that hamster wheel, that they're under such productivity pressure, they can't do what you're talking about they could do at a warehouse club or at a discount store. Yeah, there are always exceptions to that rule. But in my experience, um, when I've worked for the box within a box or if I've worked for a local, like a locally owned independent store, um, they normally can make that kind of time. And, of course, like any relationship, you know, with a doctor, uh, developing a good relationship with a specific pharmacist or pharmacy staff, um, if you build that relationship over time, just like if you have your, like I said, if you have your family doctor, 
um, they can get to know you. Well, you are so right. And by the way, you mentioned something I should have mentioned. That is the independent pharmacist that always tests so well in customer service research. Graham is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Graham. Oh, good morning, Clark, or good afternoon where you are. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. So you want to save money on technology. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking? When I finished my, uh, the company that I worked for for 28 years, I was on my own with a cell phone and all the rest of the stuff that goes with it. So uh, the first company I used was uh, Consumer Cellular, and that worked out pretty good. People love Consumer Cellular. They don't like Consumer Cellular. They love it. It's supposed to be the best customer service of any cell phone provider in the United States. Yeah, the customer service is really good if you ever have to call them. But I, I found another company called U.S. Mobile, and I've got exactly the same uh, plan that I had with Consumer, but I'm only paying twenty two seventy nine a month. And uh, U.S. Mobile is one of the companies that puts up um, a choice chart, is what I like to call it, and you choose how many minutes you want to talk a month, and they've got a scale, and you just pick uh, how much you're going to pay per month based on how many minutes you need. And then with texting, you pick how much you want to pay per month for text, and with data, the same thing. So you mix and match based on your patterns, and typically somebody will end up with a bill around 20 or so dollars a month. But yeah, that, that's what I'm... That's what I'm finding. But it's uh, not for somebody who is uh, someone who is a data-holic. Somebody who's on a smartphone all the time is going to get to be pretty pricey on yeah, U.S. mobile. That's, that's, that's true. And maybe the customer service is uh, not as good. So if you're not self-sufficient, maybe that's not the place to go. But I've had it now for seven or eight months. I know two other people, and it's, uh, it's working out really well. So, Graham, I have never, ever had a complaint or a compliment about U.S. Mobile. They're yeah. one of those smaller cell phone providers that is just not even on the radar because the way somebody comes on my radar is they're either offering something truly extraordinary or they are usually extraordinarily bad in the customer service which is how I keep hearing about them, and they're neither. But yeah. it's a really comfortable amount for your cell phone bill. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Plus, if you're getting close to the end of the month and you're about to run out, uh, you can buy uh, 100 megabytes, and you can go and do that every day until you get to the end of your month. All right, so how long have you been in the United States, Graham? Oh, whoo. 35 years, I think. Right, so this whole phone call, you've been driving me crazy trying to figure out where in the former British Empire you were from. In the last couple of sentences you did, suddenly I decided you were an Australian. Well, I'm from what we call the Wise Islands. Kiwi. You're a Kiwi, huh? No, 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 the Wise Islands. Wales Island, Scotland, England. No, really? Oh, man, I got it wrong. You know, once somebody's been here enough, it gets really hard to tell. Yeah, I know. I get get Australian every day. uh, (laughs) No, I'm from uh, southeast of England. 
All right. Well, thank you for the suggestion about U.S. Mobile because, again, you were the first person, Graham, ever to bring them up. Boyd is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Boyd. Well, hello, Clark. How are you? Doing well, thank you, and I appreciate this opportunity. We're going to talk about an American Express card. Yes, yes. And and I'm thinking of getting rid of mine, but I... I'm on my wife's account. We've been married for 30 years, and she's had the card or the account even longer than that. And um, I don't use it anymore because I have other credit cards that I do use for my credit unions. I just am curious if saving the $35 cost annual cost of the Amex card is worth it for potential damage to my credit score. Well, that is a great question, and it's one that comes up frequently. What do you do with a card that has an annual fee that is no longer relevant in your life? So how many other major credit cards do you have? Visa, MasterCard, Discover? I have one each of those. So you have three major cards in your name? Yes. And on those cards, how much activity do you have in a month? I rotate them, 500 to 1,000, depending on activities. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is I'm getting to the core of making sure that you have what's known as low utilization. Do you know how much the limits approximately are on those three cards? They're pretty high. Okay, uh, then, then, use... then that answers the question because what you want to do to have an ideal credit score, you want to use... 10% or less of your available credit in a month. Okay. And so if you have high limits and very low use, you're likely below 10%. You never want to go above 30%. So if, if this American Express is removed from your mix, then your total available credit will decline, and that would have a negative effect if you were using a significant amount of your available credit, but if you're using minimal amounts, then getting rid of the Amex and saving that $35 a year would cause you no harm and would save you $35. I'm all for that. And and I try to pay off the other cards every month, and I rotate using them. But it doesn't, it doesn't believe it or not, it doesn't matter if you pay a balance in full or not for determining utilization. Utilization is based on the balance you have after your activity closes out, not that you pay that balance down to nothing. Uh, So that's the number that you want to be below 10%. Have you checked your FICO score, your credit score? Yes. And what kind of number do you have right now? 765, I think. Okay, 765 is a great score. So as long as you check through those cards and you see you've got a lot of room every month between the limit and what you're charging, you're fine to ditch American Express. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ray is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ray. And good afternoon, uh, Clark, and thank you for your service to our country and your service every day to all the people that listen to your show. Thank you, Ray. That's very nice of you to say. So we're talking about our country, but you want to talk about China. I do. Outside of our country, I do want to talk about China. You going sightseeing Um, there, or are you looking at doing, what are you thinking of doing with China? Well, my wife has a small business, a jewelry business. She's been over to China several times and uh, has made purchases and resells here in the U.S. Uh, She has paid via credit card when she's over there. But now they want a different form of payment. Is there any way? Now, she's done business and they have shipped to her. uh, No problems. But is there any way that you suggest payment to a foreign country? There is no safe way to pay to a manufacturer or a middle person in China and know that your money is going to be secure. There's no such thing. It is all a matter of trust because China does not yet have rule of law. So it's got to be based on relationship. And never more money than she would lose sleep over, regardless of what payment method you'd use to send money to a supplier in China. How much, like how much money at a time would she be sending? Uh, $1,500. So if they absconded with $1,500 of her money, would she be like uh, twisting a pretzel and not sleeping? I don't think she would be twisting in a pretzel and not sleeping. I would if it was $15, but okay. uh, she, she <laughs> so, would be upset. So if not, she has, uh, but you say she has a pre-existing relationship with this supplier, right? Yes, she does. That's the only thing that's uh, positive. And, and that's the thing. Anybody I talk to who brings in goods from China, they know it, if they treated you well last time, hopefully they're going to treat you well this time. Hopefully they'll treat you well next time, but you don't know. Exactly. So I can't tell you there is no perfect bulletproof way you can protect yourself that if they don't deliver well, the money will come back to us. It's not going to. So it's got to be based on her impression and experience with this supplier that she's willing to do it regardless of what method of payment you use. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning into The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet, and they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.